My name is Laura Lee, and this is It's Not About Food. So it's not about food, and it's not about weight. What is it about? Everything else. Because it's never ever about food, or weight, never ever, not even, one time, not ever, ever, ever. Hi, my name is Lee Rourke, and today we're talking about faith in the Body Love Card series. And the front of the card is the goddess is sort of on her tiptoes on a tightrope, and she has an umbrella and her arm is out, so she's balancing. And the deer is just walking along on the tightrope, just as easy as you please. And she's high above the town that she lives in. But she is of the town that I think that she still is in the town and she's above the town. And what it says in the back is faith. Faith is trusting that there is a loving source of which you are a part. Having faith means that you can let go of fear and tight control and trust that there is great wisdom within you and around you, allowing yourself to breathe and listen for spiritual guidance. Having faith means that even though the recovery process may become difficult and dark, you can trust that you will also find the grace and the light. Now, for me, this card is so important because one thing that I realized with my own eating disorder is I had an illness. I had an eating disorder illness, and that illness was not only physical, but it was also emotional and mental and spiritual, because I thought that I was it and that I had to fix this problem. And for a long time, I didn't even know it was a problem. So my eating disorder, sort of, I had all the faith in the eating disorder that if I would eat a certain way or not eat a certain, or not eat, or eat very restrictive, then I would lose weight. And that's what I was after. My uh, body was my religion. My diet was my religion, and I had to give that up and know that there was something much bigger than me that would hold me as I went through this. And for lack of a better description, sort of a higher power, and the higher power was my spiritual self. But I did not really put that together for a long time, so I'm really happy to have this discussion. And my guest today is Rose. I'm going to let her introduce herself. But we'll talk about this very kind of scary subject, especially in this culture of faith and what that means to have faith and how you have to have it in order to recover from an eating disorder. Or I don't know that you have to have it, but it makes it a little bit easier. So hello, Rose. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I think that faith is a very weighted word. And I think that people have a lot of thoughts about what the term means. And a lot of people have a large aversion to it because a lot of the time faith is something that is done to a person versus something that they find themselves or gravitate towards themselves. And a lot of times people are shamed into being like everyone else, conforming with faith being the tool used to shame people. So I think that people have a lot of the time, especially nowadays, a big aversion to that term. And people don't necessarily want to be associated with having faith because of all of its negative connotations. But 
not just that I feel as though, but also it's shown in statistically people who have faith are happier. Are happier, right. It's a really important thing. And I think that for myself, I was not raised in a particular faith. And I use, you know, I do air quotes with that because I actually think that religion and faith are very separate things. And so it took me a while to come to a place of feeling as though it was important. For me, how faith relates directly to eating disorders is about being worthy of love. And the way that faith directly supports me in terms of a eating disorder is feeling that my value is beyond my body. Exactly. And I think being a mother, that was the first time that I ever saw it or felt it, just the worthiness of a soul for wow. no other reason other than just existing, yes. you know? That you you just wake up and there you are and right. everybody's happy to be there. Yeah. And that kind of love, unconditional love, it was the first time I really understood what that concept meant. And of course, my parents unconditionally loved me, but as a child, for some reason, we're not able to fully receive it in the way that it's given. So being a mother for the first time, just looking at my daughter and thinking, wow, this is her love of me was unconditional love. Her love of me. Yes. Her love of me didn't matter if I stank. Her love of me didn't matter, you know, if I was hairy or thin or anything. It was just, <laughs> she loved me. Right. You know, it was completely unconditional. And I thought, this is this thing that people talk about. Yeah. And of course, you loved her unconditionally. Right. Of course. Yeah. But I have to say, it started with her loving me. I'm not that I didn't love her unconditionally yeah. when she was born, but when she was born, I felt like, whoa, you Uh-oh. know, it's kind of like, this is an wow. alien. Yeah. That was my, my honest response. Right. Like, just looking at her, just like, who are right. you, you know? Right. <laughs> but her first experience was of just complete love or just openness, willingness to be present. So open as a little baby like that. Uh Uh-huh. So that was the first time I ever experienced what it is to be worthy of love through no action of your own, through not being the best at something or looking the best or anything. You just are worthy because you were there. And I think that's a really important thing for everyone to remember because we were all babies. That newborn baby is just worthy of love, just for being, and that we carry that in ourselves. And when you were pregnant with her, you had to have a lot of faith in your body that it knew how to do this. Yeah. That was that was scary. <laughs> I think I overestimated my body because I thought, oh, I can do this. I had a home birth. Everybody does this. People have been doing this for hundreds of years. So I can do this. But it was actually a lot more challenging than I thought. But, yeah. you know, we got yeah. through. Yeah. We got through. So... I remember feeling when I saw my daughter, and this was like kind of the first inkling of self-love that I've ever had because self-love was always a repellent thing. And anybody who even talked about it was repellent to me. You didn't like it? No, just I would belittle them and say, oh, they're just... What did you think that they were saying? Uh, New age simpletons, basically. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I didn't feel like they were sophisticated in their thinking, especially because we often associate sophistication with sarcasm and negativity, right? Yeah, snarky remarks and stuff. We we think of that as sophistication. So anybody who goes against that in that moment, I wanted to disregard them. And I certainly couldn't apply self-love to myself. Wow. But when I saw her, I realized, I just started kind of put two and two together. It was like a math problem. I just thought, okay, wait, she is divine and lovable just for existing. Right. And that logic would have it would suggest that I am divine and lovable. That's right. Okay. First, before I say this, I want to say that I use the term God 
I'm doing air quotes, you can't see, to refer to everything that is unknown and magical. So yeah. that, that could be stuff that will be and is scientifically proven. It could be in the future. I don't know and I don't care. For right. me, it's magical and unknown, right? So I use God to define that. So when we're talking about God, when I say the term God, I'm not saying a man in the sky with a white beard. Right. I'm saying <laughs> the unknown and the magical of the human and just the experience of creation or whatever. Right. So I felt like when my daughter was born, something that happened to me that I wasn't expecting was I just would look at her thought like, who are you? This is so weird. I felt, I definitely felt like a monkey, you know, looking at this thing, like what is this thing? You know, (laughs) I often refer to myself as a monkey, by the way. So I often (laughs) feel like a monkey, but what I really was drawn to was this feeling of wanting to really be on my knees and sort of like do the things that we do for God, for instance, pray to, or like be on my knees, be lower than, or just like have reverence for this little baby because she was the newest spirit, the closest to God, the most open, the most full of love, right? Right. Had just come from there. Right. She was just a (laughs) godly spirit. Right. Of course. And it was really the closest to God. I felt like that Certainly, I had ever been in my life because I'd never seen a baby that fresh before and just a spirit that had just come from being divine consciousness. And so I I just felt like so much. I felt so much reverence for her, which was this weird thing because I'm supposed to be the mom. I hadn't expected at all. It completely knocked me off my rocker to think that I would feel this. This lowliness, not not in a bad way, not in a bad way. I, I think humility maybe is the word, or or just like, wow, you are divine. Right. Tell me what and you I know. Can't Sh- share your here. secrets with me. And a, and a lot of the time, I felt almost like when I had her, I was safe, even though she's a little baby and I'm taking care of her. Just the fact that she was so divine. It's so beautiful, <laughs> right? So that's what brings me to the point that I realized. Okay, so if this applies to her, then. That must also apply to me and all of us. And I've spent my whole life hating my butt. Come to find out that it's God's butt. Yeah. <laughs> you know, oh it's my like the, gosh. Di- the butt of divine consciousness. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just like this strange I love um, that. relationship where I was for the first time able to see my body in a different way, not by looking in the mirror and seeing myself, but by putting together the pieces. Okay, you are divine consciousness and right. worthy of love just for existing. Therefore, I am. Therefore, all of my faults everything are that I also have. Yeah. worthy of just love for existing. Right. Oh, that's so good. I had that epiphany, which always rings in the back of my head, but I have moments of believing it more and less. Of course, you know? of course. Sometimes I think, well, I may be divine, but I still also want to fit into those. I still you know, don't like my butt. <laughs> that outfit, or you know, I want to wear this, <laughs> right. um, whatever, sexy outfit or something like that. So I still go back and forth. But the point being is that was the first time that I had that realization. And so in terms of faith and eating disorders, that was really what was profound for me. And then... The other thing is what I started off saying, which is being worthy of love, no matter what size you are, just for the fact that you are a divine spirit. You know, you are, for whatever reason, sharing this moment of divinity. And And here we are. And so that in itself is lovable. And that's part of faith for me. Well, one thing that I've been working with my clients and with myself, too, 
lately is the idea that we really don't have to do anything to deserve love and acceptance and compassion and respect. Like, my dog doesn't ever do the dishes, (laughs) but I love him anyway. My bird outside, I just watched a bird take a bath, which was so sweet. But the bird doesn't have to take a bath to make me love that little bird. I just think that it's great that it's there. So I can put myself in that category then too. So I don't really have to do anything to get love. I just get it anyway. I think it's a good way to kind of cheat in that (laughs) you can see, okay, those things are worthy of love. So I'm just going to just cheat and say, I am too, just because (laughs) I am also existing. So therefore I am. And it's easy for us to have compassion and love for other people oftentimes and not for ourselves, as we all know, we're our own worst enemy. But And that's a learned behavior that we've learned how to do. So one thing I wanted to say when you were talking about having this beautiful little baby, and then that's what opened up your own heart to all the love and God in the world and divine and that spirit. To me, that is such a beautiful, beautiful manifestation of that. And so say like if there's a little girl out in the world and her name is Rose and she is not getting this one and she's way too young to have a baby, what would you tell her how to have this faith in herself? Having been that person, I really feel as though in my experience hasn't been any words that can be said that just open up that lock, right? We all have heard these words told to us a lot. What I would say to that person is, you're not alone. What we all have this feeling of unworthiness. It's really amazing since I had that understanding of just existing, being worthy of love. It's so incredible how many times I've been able to see people and see the fact that their unworthiness showing up in so many places and yes. cause, re- wreaking havoc on their yes. life. And to be able to just say to them, I see you and you are worthy. Right. It doesn't matter. All of that stuff doesn't matter. And because what happens, so there's the body shame, but that's just the tip of the iceberg. Really? You know, we have shame about everything. So right. for me, I used to say to myself, okay, well, I can get over the fact that let's just say I were to accept my body. I'm still a horrible person, or I still did this and that and that. There's all these reasons. Let a me billion, bring out my list of right, stuff about me that why is I'm hateful. not lovable. You know, <laughs> exactly. And yet I'm loved, by the way. I've always been loved. My, I have two very loving parents, friends and family. And and yet the feeling of unlovability and unworthiness persists. So I can see it. It's not a logical thing, but, and I just see it so often in people. And when you say to someone, I see you, I see your faults. That's okay. I don't care. You know, you're still worthy of love. I feel like people are really taken aback and moved by that because everybody really struggles with this feeling of, am I? Am I worthy of love? You know, there's some deep, dark part in people where it just exists for whatever reason. And you want to talk about a crazy thing. Like, why is that in humanity? I'm sure there's some either instinctual or cultural thing that goes way back. Well, I was thinking as you're talking about that over the years, I've worked with a lot of people with eating disorders, and they will say... I didn't get dropped on my head. My parents loved me. I never got incested. I I wasn't ever abused. I was given a really good life. I don't know why I have an eating disorder. And I feel like 
Well, they're complex, why you would, but all you got to do is walk outside your house and it's not unconditional love. We don't live in a culture that teaches us love. We live in a culture that you have to be better, stronger, faster, thinner. You need to have the better boyfriend, the better car, the better job, the better house. We live in a capitalist society and that's the ocean that we swim in. It is what it is. We have to sort of learn how to love ourselves unconditionally with those messages coming at us. I'd love to know with an isolated indigenous tribe, if they have the same level of unworthiness that we have in our cultures. They probably have some because we're all human. Yeah, it's just an interesting It might not be as intense. Characteristic. Well, you need to make sure that you've got the right toothpaste, Mm -hmm. you know. (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) But I think that's why some tribes don't like other people coming into their tribes because they don't want to mess up their thing that they have going because it's pretty good. But it is a very interesting idea. I know that we all swim in this same fishbowl, if you will, but so do animals. And they seem to be okay with their bodies, most of them. (laughs) They're not really worried about it. And I think it's a really good question. Like, where do we get this idea that we're not okay or that we're anything less than magnificent? I think part of it, I think that shame is a way to manipulate masses of people. And being that humans are very vulnerable and we need to be in a group situation, I think shame has been used as a tool for um, millennia to make sure that everybody is keeping in line because... You can't murder everybody, you know? You can't just, you know, kill everybody who tries to leave or tries to do something different. You have to come up with other ways Ways to to keep keep communities together and to keep marriages together and all this kind of stuff so that the system works. And I think probably we've developed this shame tool amongst others to keep people in line. I agree. And I think maybe that's why religion started, if you will. Maybe everybody was spiritual and then it took it a step further that there had to be a religion that we all agreed upon so that we'd follow these rules so we would be more tidy, I guess. (laughs) I think so. I think that probably it was a survival thing in the beginning. I don't think it's necessary anymore. I mean, who knows? But I think Certainly, if individuals want to break free from it, I right. highly recommend it. <laughs> right. I mean, not that I have, right. but you know, I would think that that would be a really admirable goal. And I think you were talking about, you know, you can have religion and faith, but you can also have just faith without religion. I think faith is the bigger thing. Yes. And religion is an element of it. Fits in there right. somewhere. And then you right. can apply your faith to religion, or you can have your faith just freestyle. And I think for me, that's what feels right. What faith means to me is that there are things that are unknown and there are things that seem miraculous and magical to us. And we're just little humans and we don't know. Maybe there is some grand scientific reason why this happens. Maybe not. I don't know. But what I do know is that there are strange and magical things that happen. And I think it's probably just a lack of understanding more than anything else, which is fine. I mean, as as humans, we feel this need to know everything and to feel like everything needs to be explained. Right. But there's some things that are just so much bigger than us and we have to have faith. Well, that's how it is. Somebody have a friend that says, well, I believe 
that there are bigger beings in us. And like the ants that don't know that we're here, we don't know that they're there. Right. Well, sometimes, I mean, the way that the world is fractals and all of this kind of thing, little things that get smaller and smaller and smaller and, you know, just, but it's the same essential thing. I I do sometimes think about that, you know, we just this little thing inside of the nucleus and, you know, floating around inside of some bigger you know, cell inside of some right. bigger thing, you know? Who even knows? And we have <laughs> to have faith that there's a reason for all of this or why even be here. And I also feel like having faith that maybe there isn't a reason and that's okay. That's the other having thing. Having faith there's a reason or not. <laughs> right. I think it is mostly about self-preservation. I think the faith for me, the faith comes in with, I personally will be okay. Things will be okay. I will be okay. And even if I die, that will be okay. And no matter what happens, I can become stronger from it and I can get through it. And there's resilience. So putting that together with the recovery from an eating disorder, how have you had to bring faith into your life about that? That's been tricky. I've had to have, well, there's a couple things. So the first step was having faith in the program that you run with Barbara and having faith in Barbara, my therapist, that she's not lying to me. I know. And that this can possibly happen. That was the first thing. And that was really what was coming up as trust for me. I used to say, Well, I personally don't think it'll happen, but if you say that it'll happen, just for fun, I will trust that you're going to do this and let's just see. I'll give you six months, you know. Right, exactly. Six months of trust that what you're saying will work, right? So that was one thing. The other faith was that I will be lovable no matter what. So that was the biggest one. That was the biggest one, and it's one that I still work with in dark times, which is with the big F-A-T word, right? You know, if I become so fat, will I still be worthy? Will I still be lovable? Will I still be okay? Will somebody still love you? And really what I'm coming to realize more and more, it's less about other people anyways, right? Will anybody love you anyways for anything? It's not about anybody else. You know, you're always going to be vulnerable if it's about anybody else loving you. It doesn't matter. You'll always be vulnerable. So the point is, can I love myself? That's right. And can I apply my love to things? Can I give my love? And can I do things I love that fill me? What I need from someone else? Is there anything I can do that feels the same goodness that that feels? And when I looked at it in terms of love, my love will be there. There will be love for me, no matter what. There always will be love for me. And I feel confident in that. It may not be somebody thinking I'm the hottest person on the planet, but hey, maybe somebody, (laughs) you never know. (laughs) But it's not even about being the hottest person on the planet because ultimately that's not love. And I'll tell you what, the hottest person on the planet struggles with the same issues of unworthiness and will I be lovable, right? Of course. In fact, I can't imagine a scarier place than being the hottest person on the planet because then you're just living in fear all the time of will people still love me if I don't maintain this totally high level of existence, right? What's going to happen if I fall from grace? Right. So I think that the good news about deciding that I am lovable beyond my body is, for me, help to step up my game about being kind, (laughs) right? And being conscientious of other people, right? And making damn sure that I'm going to be lovable no matter what. Not that I say that I am a martyr, because I certainly am not a martyr. I don't go above and beyond with anything. Trust me. (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm, just, right? I, I'm normal. I'm normal. I'm not going to say I'm super selfish. I'm just me, right? right. I'm just a normal exactly. person. I'm not a martyr. I don't go above and beyond, but I do try and be kind yeah. when I can, of course. Right? And it's just the little things of just sort of stepping up my game a little bit. Instead of putting all that energy into trying to be thin, take the same energy into trying to be being nice. kind, right. giving back, trying to be... Learn something, right. right. Trying to be a generous in spirit. I think that when I was looking through the cards and I picked up a card purpose because something about, I was trying to think when I saw that, what is my purpose? I really feel like one of the purposes that I have in my life is to relate to people in their dark places. Oh, yes. And to say, yeah. man, I totally get that. <laughs> you know, you did this totally weird thing and everybody thinks you're crazy. I totally get it. You right. know, like I really, I understand where you're coming from. I may not have done the exact same thing, but all those steps, all those feelings that got you to that place, I can totally relate to. And I can understand you. I can see where you're coming from and I can see that I can separate those actions and those feelings from your worthiness and your your worthiness, you know, your divine self right. is still there. Fabulous. This is such a great talk. And I love what the card says here is if even though if the recovery process feels dark and scary and difficult and like you're never going to get through it, that faith and trust that there is a light at the end of the tunnel when you're just in the tunnel. And how to have that faith and think, I'm going to get through this. I can say that for people who are in the dark place and feeling like they might not be lovable if they're fat, I would say if you put that energy into giving, you immediately feel better about yourself and yeah. you immediately are doing a down payment. It's like paying into your <laughs> yeah. love 401k. Paying right? it like, forward. <laughs> totally. You do your things. Not that you do it selfishly yeah. entirely, but no. it's, it doesn't hurt to it's save true. a little for later, right? right? You do some kind things and stuff like that. And I feel like you can put your diet energy into saying, okay, well, I'm scared I won't be lovable if I'm not perfect in this way. But everybody loves somebody who's kind and everybody loves somebody who is present and who listens to them and doesn't immediately judge them and make space for them. Yes. How can I be that person? Because really that's what's lovable. In fact, skinniness and lots of people are loathsome for other women who are having body issues, right? Exactly. It would make people hate you. Everybody. The thing that will ensure love is generosity. Right. And it's that old saying, it's old to me even, everybody loves a lover. Yeah, right. People love people who love. And then the hard thing, obviously, is if you hate yourself, how do you love? It's too It used to be for me when people hard. would say, you know, RuPaul says, if you can't love yourself, ain't nobody going to love you or whatever. <laughs> and I would think, oh, but I can't love myself. Does that mean nobody's going to love me? That was always a really hard thing for myself, right. for me to hear because I thought, right. oh, but I don't love myself and I'll never love myself. And how even sad though, that is. Right. Even though I believe that, that right. even though, you know, I believe what RuPaul says. It was always just such an alarming thing to hear because I thought, oh, I can't love myself. Does that? That's another reason why I'm unlovable. You know, right. oh, I'm just going to go let my bed. Nobody loves me. Right. <laughs> I can't right, love right, myself. Right. So it's a really tricky thing. Well, I've heard it so many times and I probably said it myself many times. Well, I don't know what love is because I don't love myself. How would I know? But I had to like learn how to love myself. It was a lesson that I had to learn. I must have had it somehow as a little tiny baby kid. I, have to I say, had to learn it as an adult. Aside from going to a group, the number one thing that stopped the self-loathing for me was stopping dieting. Because what would happen is I would always ultimately fail. I would always ultimately 
gain the weight back or never be thin enough. Yes. And so it was constantly a failure. Oh, I worked so hard. I haven't eaten in so long. I'm still right. fat. I'm still failure, 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 failure. Right. And then this is where the trust came in, trusting Barbara and trusting the intuitive eating and all that kind of stuff. Janine Roth with the, right. I read one of her books and she said she ate cookies every day for a yeah. year or something like yeah. that. Trusting those people. Right. Who you don't even really know. Right. Just saying, <laughs> okay, well, I've done everything else. This obviously isn't working for me. I'm just going to do it. I'm going to do it. And after, I mean, I feel like almost immediately it starts happening where you just don't have this, I'm disgusting, you're disgusting, you're a failure, blah, 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 always in your head. I'm not doing it right. I'm not, I'm not doing, doing it right. It right. I'm not doing it Why right. am I so lazy? I can't do it. Other people can do this. I have no self-control. I right. lack, I lack What's complete. What's with yeah. me? Why can't I just stop? I wish I could sew my mouth shut. I wish I could cut my flesh off with yes. scissors. You know, yes. just like all of these kind exactly. of horrible thoughts. And then I stopped dieting and immediately, I say immediately, I don't really know fast. how long it was. I'll say a year later, I look back and I think, wow. I don't even I think like that. I haven't thought out loud in my head yeah. that I'm disgusting right. once. Right, right. I never think that. In fact, now when I hear that or for some reason I have to say it like I just did, I feel the shock of it. I feel the jolt of it because it's such an abhorrent thing to say. And yet that was my mantra for Me a long, too. long time. There weren't that many people that were doing an anti-diet way when I got uh, recovery from my own eating disorder. There was a few people. Janine Roth was one of them. Susie Orbach. That is a feminist issue. Carol Munter, Jane Herschelman from Overcoming Overeating and When Women Stop Hating Their Bodies. These were the pioneers, right, that were ahead of me. And I can remember going to a workshop with one of them and then afterwards going up to Janine Roth and saying, did you do this yourself? And she said, yes. And I said, and you feel like you don't have an eating disorder? Yes. Do you feel like you're too fat? Hardly ever. <laughs> do you eat all the cookies? Not that much. That's what's amazing. I is know. That I went from being a person who was afraid to buy ice cream, who never had ice cream, to now I have ice cream in the freezer. Who and cares? I learned, like you, that I don't even really like ice cream. Right. right? Instead of binging on the ice cream, because, right. oh, I need to eat the ice cream, because right. I'm in a binge mode, so I better eat all the ice cream now before it's gone again, because I'm going to diet tomorrow. I just felt like, oh, well, I can have that ice cream if I want, but Who turns cares? out I don't even really like ice cream. It gives me a stomachache. Who yeah. would have known? Who right? would know <laughs> until you just tried it? But I told Janine, I just looked right at her. You know, she's only, if you've ever seen her, she's very, very small. So I just sort of looked right at her and I said, you know, if you're lying to me, I will hunt you down. <laughs> yeah. I will kill you. Yeah. <laughs> she goes, oh, I hope not. <laughs> but no. I just felt like, I will have faith that what you're saying it's is a true. Really, it's a scary thing. Yes. But it works. Yeah. It definitely works. And I would say the other thing is this, is that when I was in a self-loathing, hate myself thing, I blamed a lot on my husband. Oh, I would always say, so oh, he convenient. doesn't like me. He wants me to be thin. He wishes I was thin and all this kind of rubbish. I went through the process of, okay, stopping dieting but still hoping that I'll lose weight by not dieting. That's right. Thinking, right. okay, I'm going to get right. off the diet pendulum. I'm going to do a no diet diet where trust that if I go off the diet pendulum, then suddenly I'm going to lose a bunch of weight, right? That's right. To just spending two years living, existing without hating myself every day. And it's amazing that, hey, I start not hating my body. For the first time, so, okay, I gained 
12 pounds maybe. But I also gained a bathing suit for the first time since I was eight, you know? Like I wear a bathing suit. You've got to go swimming. Right. Oh, like I wear a, a bathing person. suit. I wear leggings without covering my butt. I wear leggings without wearing a tent over my shirt or over my body. And so it's gotten to this place where after living in that existence, the post-diet existence where I'm not getting the horrible thoughts of being a failure every day, I have learned that my body is, it just is. And sometimes I even like it, you know, (laughs) in some kind of... (laughs) strange way you know I think hey well you know what I'm kind of fleshy and soft but hey fleshy and soft is okay I sometimes think about if you were going to give somebody who was from a different culture didn't know anything was blind two objects one that was hard and one that was soft and fleshy which Which one one do you like to touch right the soft and fleshy one yeah it's a tactilely pleasing yes, sensation. Exactly. And so I just started to bring all these kinds of concepts into my head. Right. And then as I started to come out of this self-loathing shame, don't look at me, I'm gross type right. of thing, I realized that none of that was coming from my husband. Ah. And he right. likes me. He likes my, my figure. He, he likes you. my body. Yeah. yeah. That was mind-blowing for me. Right. Because... <laughs> I have blamed him for so long. (laughs) (laughs) Right. You jerk. You don't like me at all. You're just a misogynist. You want me to be so skinny all the time. And he was like, wait. (laughs) No, wait, wait. Have me all wrong. uh, Yeah. Uh, I feel like bringing this, what he's most likes is the absence of my self-loathing. Of the absence of the eating disorder. Right. Of those thoughts. And just so I can be myself and it's okay, whatever. I am, at this point, I know, worthy for many more reasons than my well, body. it goes to the other part of that is that if you love somebody a lot and they always are down on themselves, that hurts your heart. Yeah, it does. You're like, you're, wait, I love you so much. How can you hate yourself so much? I just... Don't get it, because I see just glory when I look at you. And please don't do that. I love you so much. He's expressed as much. We had kind of a funny moment a couple months ago when we were sitting with my daughter. And she made some kind of a comment about my body, suggesting she wasn't trying to be rude, but, you know, just saying that I'm not chubby or plump. I don't remember what the term was. But I said to her, yeah, it's true. I'm a little bit chubby. But you know what? I'm okay with that. I kind of like it. So great. And my husband said, and you know what? I kind of like chubby girls. (laughs) (laughs) And it was just this moment where I was just like, yes. So many years I've been afraid of being thought of as not being thin or being chubby. And the the fact of the matter is I've never been thin, which is the hilarious thing. I'm within 12 pounds of what I've ever been in my entire life. All you know? of this for 12 pounds, <laughs> right. Know, right? Like <laughs> constant self-loathing right. for decades, you uh-huh. know? Right. That was really a place where I felt like, okay, I'm coming out of that fully now. But I do know when I see women who are really struggling with it and I say to them, you know what really worked for me? Like the, the number one thing, the thing that changed everything was stopping dieting. Oh! <laughs> You know, it's just, <laughs> right. okay, that's not an option. Now tell me what else works. What you know? else? Right. Because that <laughs> yes, can't like, happen. That can't happen. And so I just feel like, okay, keep doing it. When you're ready, then you'll be ready. Right. When you've hit yourself enough on that brick wall. Because yeah. it's uh, challenging. 
Moses. What a great conversation this has been. Really a wonderful conversation. And I love you had to have faith that you would get through this card. (laughs) (laughs) Talking about faith. (laughs) So I wonder if you would read the Just for Today at the bottom. Today I will have faith that I am being held with the greatest love, reverence, wisdom, and respect. When I am fearful or controlling, I will breathe and let go and be open to the learning available to me through this experience. Oh, and I love this, what you were saying, being held in the greatest love for just, I mean, nothing. I just showed up and I get love. Isn't that great? I want to give you a chance to say sort of what you do or put out any kind of information you want to. Okay. I mean, I I can tell you what I do. I'm an apparel designer, but... I, it's an interesting thing because I do apparel. I used to do lingerie for a long time. We sold to Victoria's Secret when it was all about skinny, skinny, skinny. So that was something that was in my face a lot. Wow. Yes. That's what I do. Good. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. That was fun. And uh, we're signing off. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for listening. And be sure and follow me on Patreon, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and it's not about food.com. Thanks.